0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to Apologetics show number five on member supported Restoration Radio. My name is Phil Stone and I'm very pleased to welcome his Lordship Bishop Donald Sanborn, Rector of Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome back to you as usual my Lord.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Apologetics is using the text The Defense of the Catholic Church by Francis X Doyle, SJ. So if you have a copy please feel free to follow along. Used and reprinted copies are available via online booksellers and you can find these links in the show notes. Well, my Lord, we've been through the canapes, the hors d'oeuvres, and the entree, and now this is where we tuck into the main course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a veritable feast in the apologetics banquet, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yes. It's the very subject of, of the Gospels that we've just finished covering. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking for a button which I can push to kick off a drum roll of some kind, but um, this commences the discussion about the historical and unparalleled person of Jesus of Nazareth called the Christ. Mm-hmm. So far in the show, we've covered religion and its necessity for man. We've understood that it's divine revelation by which we know the truths of our religion. And now we're kicking off the next mini-series, so to speak, in our show. And we'll cover Lessons 9 through to 22 in that, in that series. It's an extensive and comprehensive subject that takes us deep into the text and into sacred scripture. So if you have a Douay-Rheims Bible handy um, and, and it's uh, useful to you, pause the show, go and get it for reference alongside the Francis Doyle text. This miniseries will cover what Jesus of Nazareth, called the Christ, said publicly about himself and his doctrines. He claimed that he was a prophet. He claimed to be the promised Messiah, and important of all, uh, most important of all, he claimed to be the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, with divine knowledge and powers. This show we cover lessons nine and ten, starting on page fifty-nine. So I may be living under a sheltered rock so to speak my lord but I don't see too many too much debate across the the all of the world about whether Jesus of Nazareth actually existed it's pretty well a consensus view that he was a real figure I mean even the Jews and the Muslims know that he was a real person not just some made up character and we've even discussed this in the last show, uh, that it's more credible to view uh, a view to say that he existed than the alternative, which is to believe that someone actually made up a character like uh, like our Lord. So the proof here is in what he publicly said about himself and his doctrines and whether we would believe we should believe. Uh, and this is what this mini miniseries uh, will cover. So the first chapter, chapter nine states that Christ claimed he was a prophet. Is it worthwhile to go over again what we mean by the term prophet, my lord?
1: Well, it would help, sure. Uh, A prophet is primarily someone who foretells the future, but it also means somebody who speaks for God with the authority of God. So, And this is the sense, the second sense is what is meant uh, by... Prophet here, when we say that Christ claimed that he was a prophet. Now you have to understand the apologetical method. The uh, the apologetics is meant to be a science that will convince a non-believer of goodwill who wants to know the truth that the Catholic faith is the one true faith which he must embrace in order to obtain eternal salvation. And we have seen, uh, we've discussed already, Revelation in the er earlier chapters, and uh, the evangelists and all of the message of Christ. Uh, And now we're going to look at Christ himself. Now, we can't come in right away and say, well, Christ is God, therefore you have to believe everything he says, because that's a circular argument. Mm. If you believe that Christ is God, you don't need apologetics. Yeah. Yeah. We want to convince you that Christ is God. We want to convince you that it is reasonable to make an act of faith in the divinity of Christ. See, that's very important because on the one hand, you can't prove by reason the truths of the faith. That's actually a heresy. Mm. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the, it, it, we have to show you that it is reasonable to make an act of faith. An act of faith is not some blind leap, as the Protestants say. It's not merely some warm feeling in your heart about God. That's uh, Protestant. The act of faith is very, very rational, and the church's approach to the act of faith is very, very rational. Uh, the church does not want you to take some blind leap of faith. It wants you to have a very sound foundation in reason, and in in history even, uh, evidence yeah. that it is reasonable to make this act of faith, that that all of the, the indications of a divine person are there. And finally, you, you come to the point where you say, I will embrace the faith because I see all of these things. It, it is perfectly reasonable. Uh, so this is a, a, an approach that is far different from any other religion. Uh, the Catholic faith is, is beautiful because it is always appealing to reason. Uh, it, is, it goes hand-in-glove with reason, faith and reason. Uh, it has always been the, the hallmark of the Catholic faith. It, it is very intellectual, not in the sense that it, it is you know, highfalutin. Uh, that's an American word, uh, yeah. that, that it is uh, above the minds of an average person, but it does appeal to reason, even the reason of an average or or a person who is not very intelligent. As long as he has common sense, uh, he can uh, and he can see these arguments and 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 embrace them, uh, and thereby embrace the faith. So uh, that that's what we're doing. So first, we're going to show that Christ claimed to be a prophet, and then we're going to show that. He claimed to be the Messiah, and then we're going to show that,
2: <clears throat> uh,
1: that he claimed to be the son of God. See, little by little, we're going to show that he made these claims, and then we're going to show that he proved that these claims were true by the motives of credibility, which are performance of miracles and fulfillment of prophecies. That's the apologetical method. And then we're going to show that he established a church. And we're going to look at the characteristics that he intended for his church. And then we're going to compare those characteristics to all of the Christian churches that are on the face of the earth. Mm. And we're going to show that the only one that conforms to the characteristics uh, of, of, of the Church of Christ, in other words, what he intended, is the Catholic Church. So that that's what that's where we're going in this, uh, just so that people understand why we we go chapter by chapter and say all of these things and and go very very methodically. It's because uh, it uh, the reason demands method, and that's why.
0: I think that's very helpful. Um, so we we might go to the first question, which is um, uh, question sixty three says that he called himself a prophet, anointed by God.
1: Yes, the. Uh, prophets uh, were anointed in the Old Testament and uh, that means they were uh, given the the power to speak for God in general and to foretell things that God has told them. So the great prophets were Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah and and, and Ezekiel. Those are the four great ones and there are twelve minor prophets uh, and our Blessed Lord claimed to be a prophet, and that's one of his titles. He's priest, prophet, and king. As prophet, he teaches the truth. Uh, so the the book mentions the um uh, incident in the gospel uh where uh our blessed Lord is reading from the book of Isaiah in the uh in a synagogue which describes the great prophet which is expected by the whole Jewish nation. And then he says, this day is fulfilled, this scripture in your ears. So he makes a very clear statement that he is the one who is to be expected. Mm. Moses, when he was dying, uh, talked about the one who is to come, uh, clearly referring to the Messiah. And our blessed Lord is showing to the Jewish people, that he is this person whom they are expecting. Now, proof uh, that they were expecting him is that the Pharisees and chief priests sent out a mission to John the Baptist saying, are you the Messiahs? Yeah. And th- they were in expectation of the Messiah at that time because of the prophecy of Daniel, which pointed to exactly that period uh, that is the the period uh, of our Lord's lifetime as the time in which the Messiahs would come. And in the first century BC, the Jews, in expectation of the coming Messiahs, because of the prophecy of Daniel, were writing all sorts of me- messianic literature. That is what will happen when the Messiahs comes. And some of the things were ridiculous, like he's going to... Uh, you know, make Israel dominate the whole world, and he's going to uh do all sorts of fantastic things for Israel, and everybody will ha- have money and you know, <laughs> a very worldly uh presentation of the Messiah, which is indicative of why they rejected him as a spiritual messiah. you know he was definitely expected at that time mm. uh and uh, the author also quotes uh, another occasion. Uh, he said, nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following because it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. So again, he claims the title of prophet. Yeah. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, we read, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they did penance at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas here. So you have to understand that Nineveh was a city in what is now Iraq, uh, and Jonas was given a mission to preach a gospel or a message of penance to them. Mm-hmm. And they heard Jonas, and they did penance, and they were saved from destruction because of that. And so our Lord is saying because of the faithlessness of the Jews of his time, that this generation, meaning those who do not believe and accept him as the Messiah, shall be condemned by the men of Nineveh. Mm. And that's that's a very, um, we might say, jolting thing to say to the Jews, because the men of Nineveh were Gentiles. That these Gentiles are going to judge and condemn the Jews for their lack of belief in him, he says, because they did penance at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas here. So he is claiming to be a prophet just like Jonas, but
0: greater than Jonas. So that's what that term in judgment with this generation means, that uh, the men of Nineveh will, will judge the Jews.
1: Yes, and this generation meaning this group of people, it doesn't mean a, a generation in the strict sense, like a 21-year period. Yep. It means uh, we have many references to this generation as being the group of Jews, the Jews as a whole, not every single one, mm. but the Jews as a whole of his time, going from, say, his birth all the way up to 70 AD, who will reject him as the true messiahs. Mm. Uh, that's what this generation means in most cases when our Lord says that uh, they they shall rise in judgment with this generation so that that's a, a a jolt to the to the Jews of the time because they were rejecting him as a prophet
0: and and there's um a theme in in two of those that talks about Uh, Even our Lord knowing what was going to happen in the future anyway, which is the other sense of the word prophet, because He talks about um, it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Um, Is that an indicator that um, you know He is going to die in the future? And then uh, then He's talking about the men of Nineveh shall rise, meaning they will. It's almost like they'll be judged in the future. Is that? uh, Am I on the right track there, my Lord?
1: Yes. I mean, obviously they won't uh, won't judge them. Now, but they, at the last judgment, they will judge the faithless Jews. They will, yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, their Lord is very hard on the faithless Jews because they have had the benefit of all of these centuries of prophets and of miracles and uh, of, of revelation. Uh, they were given a sacred mission by God and they are now the beneficiaries of seeing Christ of, of being able to touch him even, and uh, they are repudiating him. I mean, imagine the privilege, you know, if Christ were walking on the earth, you would drop what you're doing no matter what you were doing. Yeah. And, and you would follow him around and hear everything he said. Uh, uh, they, have ha- they have this presence of Christ, uh, physical presence of Christ among them. They see the miracles, they hear about the miracles, and they reject him. Uh. Uh, and so he's very, very hard on the Jews throughout the gospel because of that. They are repudiating their vocation. And uh, so, and that's what he's preparing them for the the bad news, we might say, that they are going to lose their sacred vocation. They are going to lose their election and the election will be transferred to the Gentiles. Mm. And that there will be a church that will uh, be open to all peoples, including the Gentiles, and that that the Jews will be left behind in this scheme. So that that they, because of their faithlessness, will no longer be the elect of God.
0: Yes, um, Matthew chapter thirteen, verse seventeen. Where uh, for amen, I say to you, many prophets and just men have desired to see the things that you see, and have not seen them, and to hear the things that you hear, and have not heard them. There's a uh, an additional weight to that um, that argument where they Jews are being incredibly, uh, for one of another term, stupid to reject him.
1: Well, they were not stupid; they were hard-hearted, yeah. uh, and they were uh, they had a whole bunch of motives. First of all, they were. Looking for a temporal messiah, mm. that would bring back the days of Solomon, that would throw off the Roman yoke, that would uh, give Jews and Judaism uh, dominance in the world—if mm. not territorial dominance, at least prestige and 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 a certain cultural power, you might say.
0: Earthly glory.
1: They—they they were looking for that. Also, they don't forget that the chief priests were in power because of the romans
2: mm.
1: see they had a they hated the romans but they were in power because of the romans and they did not want to uh, see their power disturbed because of this spiritual messiah who was drawing all the crowds away see that was another it was cause of jealousy political threat and so they wanted to get rid of him under the pretext that uh he was a galilean rabble rouser and they will denounce him to the romans and the romans will be pleased with them for uh, giving them this galilean rabble rouser Mm. and you might recall that Pilate heard you know didn't believe a word of it <laughs> they just couldn't get any traction with that uh with Pilate, and and our lord said to him if i were i'm paraphrasing if i were a revolutionary as they say i am i would have all of my followers here to release me they they would i would have an army of people to to take me away from this situation
2: mm.
1: see so Pilate, for all of his faults was a man of intelligence and reason and, and he knew the, the hard-heartedness of the Jews uh, uh, and he didn't buy it at all. <laughs> it, it's, it it flopped.
0: <laughs> all right, so um, we we'll probably uh, move on to the next question. Uh, those who heard Christ understood that he claimed to be a prophet.
1: Yes, uh, Nicodemus, who was a, himself a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art come a teacher from God, for no man can do these signs which thou dost unless God be with him. So he has already seen that he is a teacher from God, which is the same thing as a prophet. Yeah. And he understands the power of the miracle, that the miracle proves that at the very least he is teaching in the name of God. It, it is probative, actually, of things beyond that. The resurrection is proof of his divinity. His raising people from the dead by his own power is proof of his divinity. But at least Nicodemus knows at this point that he is speaking in God's name. And Nicodemus is perfectly correct. And Nicodemus is a secret believer in Christ, mm. Uh, uh because he he has understood these things he has gone through the apologetics in other mm. words yes he he's there's the if this man is performing true miracles it is impossible that he not be of god because god would never permit someone to perform a miracle if it were not in confirmation of the truth mm. see that would be against god's wisdom and goodness he would never uh, confirmed something that is evil or false by means of a miracle. So that that's very significant, and so it 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 is it shows that he said that he that he was a prophet. He said that he was speaking in God's name, and they understood it and believed it, at least those of goodwill, mm. uh, because uh, of the miracles. It's very significant that that is apologetics.
0: So, where are we on the timeline of our Lord's public life, my um, Lord? Um, is it uh, closer? This is more closer to His Passion than um, the beginning. No, that's His first year. All oh, right. There are clearly three years in St. John.
1: Yeah. Uh, they're very distinguishable, and uh, this is the first year. Even early. So already. Now, you know, we we don't see – our Lord perform miracles constantly. We only have a a few that are mentioned in in the Gospels, but he went around for three full years doing miracles every single day. There's 365 days in the year. Yeah. So just do the math, as they say. (laughs) Uh, So he's doing thousands of miracles uh, to prove that he is the true Messiah. And to – uh, indirectly accuse the unbelieving Jews. Essentially, you have been given uh, an abundance of proof, and you still don't believe. And that is why the election will be taken from you. That is why there will be the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. That is why there will the the election will be transferred to the Gentiles by means of the Church. So the Church is the New Jerusalem. It is the successor to the election of the Jews because the Jews failed in their vocation.
0: And then there's the next um, example with uh, the Samaritan woman, my Lord.
1: Uh, Yes, the Samaritan woman. uh, Now, just a little review of the Samaritan woman. Uh, Our Lord stopped in Samaria uh, outside of uh, a town and uh, he sent the apostles in to go shopping. Yeah. They were hungry, and uh so he stayed outside of the town, <laughs> resting, and they went in and went to the market and picked up some uh fruit and vegetables and whatnot. And uh while this was happening, the a woman, a Samaritan woman, came out to Jacob's well. Uh that that is the well that that Jacob founded. There was a, a well with water in it, and it was well known throughout the whole area as Jacob's well. It's recorded in Genesis. Uh, J- Jacob was there for a time in that in that area, and uh, so she comes out to draw from Jacob's well, and he's there, and uh, the uh, so they start to to speak, and uh, that. Uh, Uh, he had he tells her that he has water that of such a nature that that she will never thirst again of course referring to the holy gospel Mm. she doesn't understand she you know she says then i won't have to come and and draw water anymore and uh so then he reveals to her that uh he she has five husbands has had five husbands and uh, and the one that you're with now he says is not your husband uh and she says, Oh, I see that you are a prophet. See, so she understands that he has knowledge from God because no one could ever know that. No stranger could ever know that. And she, he, she speaks of the Messiah. She says, when he is, when he is come, he will tell us all things. So she also knows of and believes in the coming Messiah. And Jesus says to her, I am he who am speaking with thee. So there's a explicit declaration that he is the true messiah.
0: Can't get any clearer than that.
1: Yes, uh, and uh, uh, so and that it means the, a person speaking in God's name and and uh, with a mission from God to teach. Uh, so um, that that is another uh, indication of his declaration of being a prophet uh so uh and teaching with authority
0: uh, in god's name and I, I read a bit further in the <clears throat> excuse me in the gospel um uh following that that uh, our lord spent two days at that place um and of course the all the samaritans uh, spoke to the woman and um and then they uh, obviously uh, spoke to our Lord, and and they said later in verse 42, they said to the woman, We now believe not for thy saying, for we ourselves have heard him and know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. So, of course, all those people in, in that place um, also believed from what they saw.
1: Yes, which was remarkable because they were Samaritans. They were schismatics from the Jews. And they believed that their holy mountain was the place in which to worship and not Jerusalem. So for them to accept him as the messiahs of the Jews was, in a sense, a double conversion. They were uh, converting away from their Samaritan schism and they were accepting him as true messiahs. So um, uh, it was, yes, remarkable. But they would not have done it had he not shown by all sorts of signs uh, that he was
0: the true Messiah and the true prophet. Yes. There's um, another piece in uh, Luke 7 where we went into a city called Niam and raised the dead man to life who was being carried out on a briar. I've done a little bit of this, you know, looking into other chapters that are referred to in the text. Yes. Um, and there came a fear on them all in verse 16, and they glorified God saying, A great prophet is risen up, risen up among us, and God hath visited his people after he raised the dead man to life again.
1: Yes, which makes all the sense in the world. I mean, if you saw somebody raise someone from the dead who was a holy man and who uh, had all indications of of holiness, you would say this is someone sent from God. And no human being can raise someone from the dead without the power of God. At least you would say that. You may not uh, get to the point of saying this person is the son of God, but you can see these people understand that this, our blessed Lord, whom they've never seen before, mm. has the power of God to to do such a thing. That, that's just common sense. Yeah. Now today people would ascribe it to to you know flying saucers or something like that. <laughs> but because it's a totally faithless age, the the faithlessness of the present age makes the chief priests and Pharisees look good. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I mean, the present age is utterly and totally faithless and I think that's the reason why you're not seeing miracles in this age because miracles are done by God only for the sake of convincing those who are disposed by goodwill and who love the truth Mm. our Lord said those who are of the truth hear my voice Mm. To be of the truth means that by the grace of God you are disposed to hearing the truth about God and you want to know about God and you, you, you have a clear mind and an unprejudiced uh, mind concerning God and that you believe in God. You, you uh, believe implicitly anything that he would reveal. Uh that those are people who are of the truth and they do hear the the gospel. Mm. Uh so um so these people using their common sense <laughs> and their goodwill uh come to that conclusion.
0: All right, that uh, wraps up that, that question. Um on to the next one. Cross claimed that he was the one teacher to be heard above every other teacher.
1: Yes, he uh was not merely a prophet he was the prophet that is he he was the teacher of teachers he uh was the ultimate teacher uh he says in matthew 23 uh, uh, verse 10 neither be ye called masters for one is your master christ Mm. Uh, so uh and then there are many many other uh passages in the holy gospel where he makes the same point uh, where he contrasts his doctrine to that of the chief priests and the Pharisees, saying many times, but I say to you, so you have heard this, but I say to you. So he contradicts many times the teachings of the chief priests and the Pharisees and, and wants people to accept his doctrine and not theirs, which again is a jolt. He is, in a sense, he's overturning the hierarchy Uh because they are unfaithful, he's overturning the, their hierarchy, and rightly so, because he is the one that ought to be accepted as the ultimate teacher. Mm. They are trying to teach against him, so he is overturning them. Uh, he's very explicit about that. Uh, uh, if they had accepted him, he would not have overturned them. So he wants to be he we, he wants them to be abandoned, and he wants himself to be accepted as. The teacher of Israel,
0: and it's uh, it's remarkable. Um, it's like there's a whole list uh, here in the text um, of seeming you know paradoxes. You've got the turn the other cheek um, uh, doctrine, where you know if your if your enemy strike you on the cheek, then turn the other one. Um, thou shall not kill, um, but I say, whosoever is angry with his brother, um, they shall not commit adultery. But if you uh, look on a woman to lust after her, it's this. Um, Really driving home the point that um, that my, his doctrine is to take precedence over the old law.
1: Yes, the uh, doctrine of indissolubility of marriage. Yeah, He's, he says to them, uh, Moses merely tolerated your putting away your wives, but that's finished. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. yeah, that's finished now. Uh, marriage will be indissoluble and. And the uh, if you take a woman that has been put away, then you commit adultery with her. Mm. so he he did he you know if you go through the gospel, he overturned is is the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, uh, and elevated might be even a better way. He, uh, he uh, so that the the doctrine was more interiorized. The, the the Old Testament was a, a learning process. It was, in a way, kindergarten uh, concerning the things of God. But now he is raising men to a, a clearer understanding of all of those things because, in principle, they should be prepared after these many uh, centuries. He's trying to raise them up to uh, the perfection of Revelation yeah. and to... Uh, things that they could not have understood or accepted a thousand years before.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, if the prophets had said, "You must turn your cheek to your enemies," <laughs> they would have been drawn and quartered. <laughs> uh, what are you crazy? Eye for an eye. Uh, yes, but the the now they should be prepared for this holy gospel, and he is coming in with all of these miracles and prophecies confirming. His prophetic role, his messianic role, and his his dignity as son of God. Yeah, he is able to to say these things with impunity, in the sense that, just as he he overturns their Sabbath laws, see that that uh, you know he, he cures on the Sabbath day, hmm. having no regard for for their 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 laws. He is the lawmaker.
0: That's right. You know
1: that doesn't apply. To me and that doesn't apply anymore uh, and uh, so he, he claims that right he's not just some holy man that goes around telling people love God more and, and do good he is he is uh, asserting himself as the lawmaker as the teacher and uh, being very explicit about it and telling people don't listen to them anymore because they're corrupt meaning the chief priests of Pharisees.
0: yeah. Back to Matthew uh, 23, verse 10, that first uh, example where um, uh, neither be called masters. I was looking, you know, so back in in Scripture, then the previous verse, uh, and call none your father upon earth, for one is your father who is in heaven. And I couldn't help but notice um, that verse is uh, the old chestnut that the Protestants wheel out when they're trying to proselytize the Catholics and to, um, you know, argue why, uh, you know, priests shouldn't be called father. Um, uh, it'd be really helpful, I think, for any uh, ex-Protestant who's listening or or any Protestant. uh, How do we put some context into into that? I'm not sure if we're getting too much down a rabbit hole, my Lord, but um, are you able to explain that a bit? It means that all fatherhood
1: um, comes from God and that no one deserves the title father in principle. In other words, uh, uh, by essence. Except God the Father, and uh, so, but uh, the proof is that Saint Paul says all paternity in heaven and on earth is named for God the Father. Uh, yeah. The the so he's realizing he's saying that there is paternity on earth, and uh, also. Um, uh, our blessed uh, lady says to our blessed Lord that your father and I yeah. have been grieving when she finds him in the temple. Uh, you know, if that were if that were meant the way the Protestants take it, they, they couldn't say that. Because he was truly his father, his foster father, yeah. but he was truly his father. Uh, St. Joseph You know, was uh, not naturally his father, but uh, he deserved the title of father. That's right. Of, of our blessed Lord uh so because he was his protector, his 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 foster father. Mm. Uh and um so um no it it uh, it was never accepted in the sense of the Protestants of faith.
0: And it's the same theme it's um taking the letter of the law rather than the uh, the the spirit uh, of of the law you know taking things so literally um i remember having conversations with my protestant parents who would wheel that out and um that's why it sort of uh, it, it stuck out to me and and i would respond with well does that mean i can't call my father father i can't call dad dad you know
1: it's the same um, thing if you call well, him dad that's just another word for father yeah that's right what right. do you call him you know mr smith or <laughs> You know, it's crazy. Yeah. It, 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 the practice of the church and of Catholic civilization, which was the same thing as Christian civilization, never took it in that sense. Yeah. But in the sense that I described, that all fatherhood proceeds from God the Father. Uh, and and that, that's what we must understand. And just as uh, the same thing as Master, uh, Christ is the highest teacher and if anyone is master, it's, it's in as much as he is uh, in accordance with the teaching of Christ. See, so no one should be called master except uh, in as much as he is, is in conformity with the teaching of Christ. Yes. Uh, so that, that's the, uh, uh, the sense of that.
0: All right. Well, um, perhaps you've got to move to question 66, my lord. Um, Christ claimed that he was the life. The way and the truth, the shepherd revealing doctrines in his own name.
1: Uh, yes, he he said that uh, very famous uh, quotation. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So those are very, very weighty words. The way means the, the path to God, the truth. I am the truth. He doesn't say I have the truth. I am the truth. That means his teaching is infallible, that he is identified with with God, uh, that uh, there is nothing but the truth that can come from his lips because he is the truth. And the life, that means that he has the power to vivify men, both physically by raising them from the dead and, more importantly, supernaturally by sanctifying grace. And adds no man cometh to the Father but by me, that means I am the single door by which to get to the Father. Uh, I am the only way in which to go. There is no other path around me uh, despite what Ratzinger and, and uh and John Paul II said about the Jews and I think Bergoglio too, that they have a their own path to God, which means that they bypass Christ. Mm. Uh, which is a heresy, uh, obviously in contradiction of this and many other passages which our Lord uh, said precisely what he's saying here. Uh, so that that is blasphemous to say that you could achieve God or go to God without the mediation of of Jesus Christ. Mm. It, it is so fundamental to to the Holy Gospel that it is incredible that anybody that claims to be even a Christian, could could say such a thing yeah um and uh you know i was in uh uh paris in a bookstore uh a religious bookstore and they had you know the scripture section and i'm looking at the scripture section and it says instead of saying the old testament and the new testament it says the first testament and the second testament (laughs) Because we can't say it's old. That is, we can't say it's decrepit and finished as St. Paul said it was. <laughs> no, we can't say that anymore because, because that's politically incorrect, which is the new infallible doctrine. What is politically correct? Yeah. It's always infallible. And, and, uh, it, it is the new dogma of the world, whatever is politically correct. Um, you know that's why Obama will not refer to Islamic extremism or anything like that because it's politically incorrect. Yeah, uh, and uh, and we are judged on what is politically correct and incorrect. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm oh. sure it's the same oh. in Australia. You know? oh, don't get me started, my lord. It's uh, it's terrible. Yes. So this was a um, a supposed Catholic Bible. It, it's a Catholic
1: bookstore. Uh, you know, a Catholic bookstore—they sell rosaries. I mean, obviously, it was—you know—wasn't some yeah. evangelical bookstore. Right. It was a Catholic bookstore, and and uh, so uh, yeah, that was—I noticed that—and because you can't think that the, the Jews have a a testament that doesn't do them any good, mm. uh, or a covenant that doesn't do them any good. That would be against ecumenism.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, it's another example in that question sixty. Uh, 60- six um in John uh, chapter 6 uh, sorry John chapter 10 uh where he describes himself as the good shepherd I I um uh, I'm seeing um uh, St John's gospel uh, in a different light since we last discussed the gospels um and it really is beautiful uh beautiful text where he uses the the example of the shepherd and how he protects his sheep and
1: yes St John chose carefully uh episodes in our Lord's life. His purpose was not to describe again what the synoptics described, essentially a chronology of what our Lord said and did, but he chose special events and special texts uh, of our Lord's life, things that he said, things that he did, and described them in great detail, being eyewitness Mm -hmm. to all of them uh, and giving quotations from our Lord, we, we really have a feeling of what our Lord was like from the way he speaks in St. John's Gospel. Mm. Because you can tell that these are very carefully memorized quotations from our blessed Lord, uh, from a, a very close eyewitness and someone who, who uh, was, was you, in St. John's Gospel you get a, a feeling that you're there. The, you, you're the, the description, for example, of the raising of Lazarus is so vivid that it gives you chills. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it draws you so much into that whole scene of our Lord breaking down in tears and, and, and St. Mary Magdalene there and, and St. Martha and the, these conversations that he's having with these people, that they're so alive in St. John's Gospel. Uh, you don't find that in the other Gospels yeah. as much, not as much. Uh, So, uh, yes, so he he just picked out a a few. There's only seven miracles in all of St. John's Gospel, whereas the others report many others. But he picked out those seven because precisely they are indicative of his divinity. So you have the changing of the water into wine. You have the raising of Lazarus, uh, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Everything that proves his divinity because people were starting to deny his divinity when he wrote that gospel in the nineties a d
0: yeah the um f- for me this is starting to enter into the theme um this question where not only is he demonstrating his authority um that he is a prophet but uh not only in the cold hard sense of of authority but his uh his love his uh you know, wonderful love for 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 mankind and um uh, you know, saying that, oh, the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, and then, of course, uh, there's that example of the Good Shepherd really starts to enter that this is a loving uh, Messiah and uh, a loving God.
1: Yes, and in that the parable of the Good Shepherd, he talks again about himself as the door. Yeah. Because he is the one way into the sheepfold, and anybody who does not come through him is an intruder. Mm. See, So, uh, again, he he's asserting himself as the one way to God.
0: Yes. So on to uh, question 67. Um, Christ claimed that he spoke with the authority of God.
1: Yes. In John chapter 6, where he uh, speaks about the Holy Eucharist, he says, As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. Those are very important words. So he that eateth me, the same also shall live by me. Uh, That means that, that the the father sent him, obviously, that he has a mission from the father and that he lives by the father. Mm. That means he is consubstantial with the father, that they have the same life. See, And uh, he that eateth me, so that means in the same way. So he's setting up a comparison, just as I uh, am sent by the father and I live by the father. So he that eateth me, the same also shall live by me so he's he's it's a very very important statement concerning the Holy Eucharist that mm. that it is the life of the soul just as I share my life with the Father that I live by the Father so you will live by me uh, and you can tell that he's not talking about a piece of bread here yes because a piece of bread will not do that for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Indeed, and that's another common argument by the Protestants that uh, you know this is just a symbol, and uh, in reality they are just being like the multitude when our Lord's you know uses a number of times. I think it's John um, uh, when he says, "Unless you eat the eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have everlasting life." And everyone said, you know, kind of disputed it, and then they some of them walked with him no more, and so it uh, you know really drives home the point that uh, I mean what I say here.
1: Yes, and uh, you notice our Lord did not say, Oh, you've misunderstood me. <laughs> As he did say to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus said, What well, does that mean when he talked about being born again? Mm. Does that mean we have to go back into our mother's womb and be born again? And our Lord said, How could you? How, you're a teacher in Israel. How could you understand it that way? <laughs> so he c- corrected Nicodemus and show that he was talking about something supernatural and spiritual, that he was not talking about something physical.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he did not call back those disciples and say, you have misunderstood me here. I am talking about only a spiritual presence in the bread and not a, a transubstantiation of the bread mm. into the body and blood of Christ. He did not call them back. He let them walk. Uh, which is, uh, and there are other cases in the gospel where he corrects people who have misunderstood him. But he did mm. not say anything to these people and he let them walk. And then, In fact,
0: he repeated it over and over again.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, it was explicit. So, yeah. so much so that any religion that claims to be Christian and does not teach the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, that is, that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, and that it is not bread mm. uh, is not; it cannot lay any claim to being the true Christian religion. Yeah, it is so explicit in John chapter six. Exactly right. But we'll see that later.
0: Okay, so uh, on to question sixty-eight, uh, the final one in this uh, chapter. Christ claimed that all men must hear him and accept all his doctrines.
1: Yes, it is recorded in St Matthew and in St Mark. And St Mark, there is the the uh, warning at the end. Uh, go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned.
0: Once again, clarity. All right,
1: so that's very severe. Yeah. And that means he is claiming to be true God and judge of all men and that his religion is the exclusive religion. All other religions are false those who do not believe it shall be condemned mm. that that uh, you know he, he again he's not just a holy man urging us to love god more mm. you know he's you know uh, picturing him as some sort of n- nice man that goes around and pats children and and says love god and do good to your neighbor as some movies have shown him to be and
2: yeah
1: he, he is is claiming authority all the time in the gospel uh and and so and that's very important because in the apologetical method because he and, and in order for him to found the church, he needs to be that authority, yes, see he didn't merely found a movement, he wasn't uh, like Buddha or something where uh he was a founder of a of a Christianity and People uh, followed him and read his his sayings in, in the works of the Gospels. and uh, Christianity is not a movement. It's a church. Mm. And it, it is a church founded by God. Uh, it is founded by Christ, who is God and therefore has the authority of God. And it is therefore exclusive. If all of that is true, if it's the church founded by God, and has the authority of God, then he could say nothing else except that if you don't believe it, you'll go to hell. Yeah. See, that's the only logical consequence. If you purposely set yourself outside of Christ by setting yourself outside of the church, there's no other thing to do except to go to hell. Mm. <laughs> it's you know If you're outside the, yes. the life-giving source, there's no other thing except to, to die. And, and uh, so that's that's why he's he's giving that that severe
0: warning. I think the most important question and uh, word in this question, uh, excuse me, um, is the word all. Christ claimed that all men must hear him and accept all of his doctrines, not just a few, or not just the majority of them, but all.
1: Because it all depends. Uh, our acceptance of his doctrines all depend on the same motive. Yeah. That is that he is he has the the authority of God to teach, and therefore whether he he talks about a little thing or a great thing, we believe it with the same motive mm. that whatever he says is true because he is God. Now here we're just again getting back to the apologetical method. We are not. Uh, showing he is god here yet we're just showing that he claims to have the authority of god in teaching mm. that's that's where we are in this, this apologetical method
0: well that uh wraps up that chapter my lord so i'll just um put my little plug in here we'd like to remind you that you are listening to apologetics on member supported restoration radio i'm your host phil stone and i'm joined by his lordship bishop donald sanborn rector of most holy trinity seminary in brooksville florida And today we've been discussing that Jesus of Nazareth, from his own testimony, given publicly, claimed that he was a prophet and teacher, speaking with the authority of God, and that all his doctrines must be accepted by all men. Uh, That's uh, really summarizing that conclusion at the end of the chapter. So now we move to chapter 10, entitled, Christ Claimed That He Was The Messiah. The Protestants say, Messiah, is there a difference?
1: no the uh, the uh, the duay uh, well the septuagint which was the greek translation of the hebrew scriptures done in the 200s bc in alexandria took the uh the guttural sound at the end of hebrew words and made it an s because that guttural sound did not exist in greek so the original word is uh mashiach see there's a there's a hebrew is very guttural yeah and so wherever you have that guttural sound at the end of a word uh it went to an s in the greek so uh went to messias in greek see so then that was take that spelling was taken up by the vulgate saint jerome and then was taken up again by the Douay Reims version, Messias. Yep. Uh, it really makes no difference whether you say Messiah or Messias. It's just that Catholics should follow the Douay Rheims in order to show themselves as Catholics and not as Protestants. Yeah. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Messias is typically the Catholic way of saying those things. But you know, it doesn't. It's not very offensive to say Messiah or Jeremiah or Isaiah. Yeah. Uh, because you know that doesn't do the do it doesn't do the guttural either. <laughs> you know neither is neither is Hebrew. Uh, Hebrew is very guttural. It's a lot of chuch and uh, all sorts of things that, that you could. I took a year of Hebrew, and uh, the the uh, it's it's full of that stuff, and and so it's a, a way of Greekicizing, uh we might say uh of of the word uh or anglicizing it isaiah you know that that's that's not h. yeah That's just yeah. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> so it and the h is there the ah isaiah or messiah to indicate that guttural sound yeah and uh but it doesn't get it is not said
0: but we should should try as Catholics, we should try and pronounce it with the S on the end.
1: Catholics should use the Douay Reims version of the Bible and none other in English. None other. Uh, and should throw in the trash anything that is not Douay Reims. All right. All of the translations after Douay rheims are faulty to a greater or lesser extent. Mm. Uh, Monsignor Knox should go in the trash. The Confraternity version put out in in the United States during the nineteen forties should be thrown in the trash. All right, Douay Reims, It is very very faithful to the Vulgate, which is the standard uh, uh, text that is approved by the Council of Trent. And so that's just uh, Catholics should understand that. That you know that you know people say, "What about Monsignor Knox?" I would call Monsignor Knox Bible stories. Right. It, it's a, it, it is. It so distorts the, 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 text that it is no. You can no longer call this really a translation. It, it's a. It's Bible stories.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: It's not a translation of the, of the Holy Scripture.
0: Well, there's that clarity for us uh, again, my Lord. Um, you know, there's no uh, no flowery language here. Let's just say it how it is, and yes, and I think that's really really helpful. Um, so, if we get into that question proper, what do we mean by the word Messiahs?
1: Yes, it means the Anointed One, uh, Christ. You see, Chrisma uh, in in uh, Greek is the oil. So, Christos was the Anointed One in Greek. Just it's the same thing as Messiah. So, when you say Jesus Christ, you say, you're saying Jesus the Messiah, mm. and and uh, so it means exactly the same thing: Anointed. Uh, and th- the reason he was anointed was because he was, uh, uh, a priest, a prophet and king, uh, all of whom were anointed. Uh, and, uh, so he, but he is the anointed one. He, he is the, the person selected by God to save the world. And so that's why he was given that special title as the anointed one. Uh, and, uh, as, as I said, the Jews were expecting him. Uh, and he had many names in the Old Testament, the one who is to come, that is Moses who said that, Uh, the servant, and I think uh, Jacob said it as well in uh, Genesis 49. I'm pretty sure he said that uh, in the prophecy to uh, Judah. Uh, The servant of Yahweh, who is uh, God, Uh, the son of David, the king of Israel, the son of man, the son of God, uh, uh, having the same divine nature as uh, God the Father.
0: It's really struck me, my Lord. Um, the you know the term "the Son of Man" means the Messiah. So I'd never read it that way um, in uh, Scripture. When our Lord refers to Himself as the Son of Man, He's really saying, you know, I am the Messiah. Every time He says that, is is that a right way to to understand that text?
1: Yes, because He is the Messiah in as much as He is Man. Mm. You see, he is not the Messiah in as much as he is God, yeah. Uh, but in as much as he is man, uh, that is anointed by God uh, to to teach uh, uh, in his sacred human nature. Mm. See that that's that's the the uh, I, that's why he would say Son of Man, uh, because as man he uh, is the the. Uh, he cannot be anointed as he is the second person of the Blessed Trinity.
0: <laughs> no, that's right.
1: and see, it, it's a, as he is man. So, um, uh, so the, that's why he says that.
0: And, and the way we interpret that term, the son of man, I'd never read it like this until I read this book, um, was you interpret that as being, that's another word for Messiah. So he's, for Messiah, sorry. Um, um, so he's referring himself every time he uses that term as the Messiah
1: yes well he yes but in in son of man in general um, refers to himself as he is man you see he's two natures hmm. one person two natures so you have to distinguish in him the role of each nature uh and so at, at, at times he says he's son of god he says uh, that, or the equivalent, mm. that he is the Son of God. I and the Father are one. Yes. You see, that is as he is God. <laughs> see, he's he's speaking as he is God, but uh, other times uh, he'll speak as he is man and priest, prophet, and king as he is man. You see, it, it's um, uh, and he he has those roles because his human nature. Is assumed by the second person of the Blessed Trinity, and in that his anointing consists. That is, that that mm. he is assumed by the Blessed by the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Is that, that, that makes him the, the priest, prophet, and king who is supreme in each of those categories. Because you could not get a higher priest than someone who is who is uh, hypostatically united to the to God. Uh, yes. you could not get a greater profit than someone who is hypostatically united to god and and uh, nor king of the human race uh, except someone who is hypostatically united to god so you have to distinguish uh, the two natures uh, in christ which is sometimes difficult uh, and and it could even be it can even be dangerous because uh, you can easily un- unwittingly fall into a heresy by getting some things mixed up. so
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, yeah, I was just you kind of gloss over that term um, and it just sort of struck me in this question where, okay, that's, uh, that is really um, uh, referring to himself as the Messiah, which gets us into question 70, that Christ expressly treat, teaches that he is the Messiah. Uh,
1: yes, if we already saw the text uh, in the synagogue uh, in Capernaum, where he says, this day is fulfilled, the scripture in your ears, uh, making himself the Messiah. Uh, and then uh, when he was standing before the Sanhedrin, uh, he said, uh, the high priest said to him, art thou the Christ, the son of the blessed God? And Christ said to him, I am. So mm-hmm. he, he was absolutely explicit about being the the son of God. And if you recall, the uh, Pharisee chief priests and Pharisees said this to uh, Pilate that uh, that uh, we have a law; he made himself equal to God, and mm. therefore he must die. So they understood exactly what he meant and what he said. Uh, and uh, so, and as I have said in other shows, that's what moved Pilate. Yeah. When they gave him the theological argument, that's what moved Pilate. The political arguments didn't move him that, that he was a Galilean rabble rouser, that he didn't, uh, that he forbade people to pay taxes to Rome. He didn't believe that. It, he didn't, it just It didn't get anywhere with Pilate. But when they brought that up, uh, they, uh, th- that moved Pilate because they knew that he knew that that would be the cause of tumult. That that's something that struck the Jews very deeply. Mm. He knew that the Jews didn't want to pay taxes to Caesar either. <laughs> <laughs> that if you asked any Jew on the street, should taxes be paid to Caesar, he would say no. <laughs> uh, the the uh, and he knew that every, in every Jew uh, at that time there was a, a rabble rouser. There was, I mean, if they had the opportunity, they would have thrown the Romans out of of. Of their land, mm. uh, so he knew that uh, it, the, 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 you know, that was always a troublesome province for the for the Romans, always terribly troublesome, and so you know that they're bringing this up about Christ well you know well what else is new? Well, you know What else do you have, so to speak, <laughs> you know? and you and I both know that that all of you in my courtyard are, are just as guilty of the very same thing that you're accusing him of. <laughs> now, he didn't say that, but I'm sure he's thinking it because he just didn't react to any of that, yeah, and he did believe that Christ was their king because he was the one that ordered that that the the inscription on the on the cross uh Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, yeah, he believed it, and uh the Jews came to him and said it should say he said he was the king of the Jews, and Pilate said that beautiful. Roman put off. Yeah. What I have written, I have written. <laughs> I love that in the gospel, where it just get out of my sight. You know, it, it's like Roman power in all uh, of its strength yeah. and glory. It's just, yeah, you know, I am the boss here. I don't have to listen to you people. I wrote it, and it's going to stay.
0: <laughs> get on your bike. <laughs>
1: yes, just uh, uh, so uh but that's significant that he did that and he did believe that christ was their their king and he was horrified obviously that they would put to death their own king and that's why he put that up on the cross as an accusation to them
2: yeah this
1: is what you do to your king uh and um so that's why they were so irritated at it uh so but the uh Getting back to the original point, that the chief priests and Pharisees clearly understood what our Lord said, and they accused them of it
0: before Pilate. And, and our Lord, uh, you know, didn't shy away from it, even though his life was in danger. He knew that that's that's what it's going to lead to. But he said, "I am." Uh, On to question seventy-one. Uh, Christ praised Nathaniel for giving him the titles "Son of God" and "King of Israel."
1: Yes, uh, our Lord identified Nathaniel, and who is Bartholomew, by the way. Uh, because he was sitting under a tree and it was not visible to our Lord, and um, our Lord uh, identified him, and uh, the and Nathaniel knelt before him and said, "Rabbi, thou art the Son of God; thou art the King of Israel." And and our Lord answered him, saying, "Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree; thou believest." greater things than these shalt thou see. So uh, he performed that miracle. Now we have to understand that Nathaniel, of course, knew the other apostles and uh, was attuned to the true messiahs. Uh, and uh, uh, otherwise he would not have been capable of saying, making that act of faith. He, he was Prepared, uh, he was told of the of our Lord by the other disciples and apostles. Uh, so he he uh, was certainly expecting that, uh, and uh, and our Lord receives that and approves of that title that Nathaniel has given him, and uh, he says uh, that you will see greater things than this. This is at the very beginning of our Lord's public life. Mm. He said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you shall see the heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Wow. Now this is a reference to Jacob's ladder, where Jacob in a dream saw angels going up and down a ladder. And that is where Jacob founded the first (laughs) altar. Uh, he, He took a stone and he poured oil on it. And, and uh, that was the, the establishment of the first altar of God. Uh, and that, that Jacob's ladder is a foreshadowing of Christ, who is the path to heaven, in other words. He is the ladder to heaven. So that's a clear reference to Jacob's ladder.
0: So many symbols and uh, precursors in this that, you know. It's
1: the Old Testament is loaded with symbols of the new, mm. it, it, it is just loaded. Practically everything in the Old Testament is a symbol of something in the New Testament.
0: Indeed, it's uh, just, as we keep saying, everything just fits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Question 72, my Lord. Christ expressly declares that He is the one who is to come and claims for Himself all the prerogatives of the Messiah.
1: Yes, uh, uh, St. John the Baptist sent two of his disciples to ask, Christ art thou he that art to come? Repeating the Moses, the uh, statement of Moses. Or look we for another. Now, Bergoglio very blasphemously said that John doubted concerning Christ's mm. identity as the true Messiah. That's totally false. Blasphemous. False. Mm. Uh, he, the reason why he said this to his disciples is in order to, that the disciples themselves prove to themselves that Christ is the true Messiahs. See, he wanted to extract from our Lord uh, a, a statement that would have them believe. Uh, he, he want, that's, so that's why he sent them back to our Lord so that they would hear from our Lord exactly mm. uh, a proof uh, of his messiah messianic dignity. Uh, so, uh, and our blessed Lord didn't say, I am the Messiah," but he said, go back and tell John, that I am performing these works that are in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiahs. Mm. And uh, so that's uh, um, that's how he uh, answered that. Uh, so but- he he is the one that is to come, and he and he does uh, claim the prerogatives of the Messiahs.
0: Okay, to question uh, seventy three, Christ approves the testimony of John the Baptist.
1: Yes, now you have to understand that John the Baptist, his role was to point out the Messiah. St. John the Baptist was like the the peak of the mountain of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is there to prepare a people for the Messiah and to point out the Messiah and to uh, with the idea that the Jews having converted to the true Messiah would present the Messiah to the world and in so doing, would preserve their election and and preserve their, their vocation uh, and would be elevated to a, we might say, a spiritual aristocracy, mm. uh, having been faithful to their original vocation and and therefore being teachers of the world, just as the apostles were, but the whole Jewish race as being teachers of the world because they fulfilled their vocation of accepting and promoting the Messiahs to the whole world. That was the original plan. But of course, they. they uh, and so St. John the Baptist fulfills that original plan. And so when our Lord comes to the Jordan, he points his finger at him very, very boldly and dramatically and says, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sin of the world. Mm. See, so that's, that's the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. St. John the Baptist is the ultimate prophet doing the, the ultimate pointing out. Uh, and, um, this is why it's so absurd to say that he doubted. How could he have pointed him out? Yeah. <laughs> it's just absurd. I mean, it's crazy. You'd have to be a nut <laughs> to, to say that he doubted concerning the, uh, the messiahs, uh, the messianic dignity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: And uh, and then he adds, this is he of whom I said, after me there cometh a man who is preferred before me because he was before me, Mm. and I knew him not. Now notice he says he was before me. St. John the Baptist, according to nature and physicality, was before our Lord. Yes. Because he was older than our Lord. But he was before me. That is, he's from all eternity. Yes. And I knew him not, but that he may be made manifest in Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. <clears throat> so, uh, and he, then he gave testimony, saying, I saw the Spirit coming down as a dove from heaven, and he remained upon him. And I knew him not, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, he it is that baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Mm. So the opening of the sky, the descent of the Holy uh, Holy Ghost, and the words of God, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That provided the testimony to Saint John that this was, in fact, the true Messiah that he was meant to point out. Mm. Uh, and uh, and he said, uh, and I saw, and I gave testimony that this is the Son of God. Uh, how much how much more explicit can you get? So uh, and then our Lord approved of this testimony. He said, "You sent to John, and he gave testimony to the truth." He was a burning and a shining light and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater testimony than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to perfect the works themselves, which I do. That means the miracles. Mm. Give testimony of me that the Father hath sent me. Again, you could not get more explicit than this. The, The power of the miracles (coughs) to prove his messianic dignity
0: absolutely it's all very clear clarity is the uh the theme of this show i think uh, my lord no flowery language here we're not going to beat around the bush no Uh, is an australian term (laughs) Uh, question 74 Uh, christ by miracles confirms the faith of those who call him son of david and he claims that title
1: Yes, he cured two blind men who cried out, have mercy on us, O son of David. He accepts that title. Mm. He does not uh, rebuke those who give him the title, whereas he did rebuke those <coughs> who tried to make him a king. Yeah, you know, he, he fled from those who tried to make him a king. He, he did not accept that. He did not want to be a temporal king, but he did accept the, the title of uh, son of David. And... Uh, and and in another case after beholding Christ cast out a devil the amazed multitudes asked is not this the son of David so they knew uh, his origin they knew of course Saint Joseph and our blessed lady both descended from David so uh, at uh, at least they understood that and during the triumphal procession to Jerusalem It says, the whole multitude of his disciples began with joy to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. The works mean miracles. Mm. Saying, blessed be the king who cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory on high. So this is what we sing essentially at the Sanctus. Yes. And some of the Pharisees from amongst the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples you know, for saying such a thing. How could, you know, they're, they're exaggerating. Of course, it's not true. To whom he said, I say to you that if these shall hold their peace, the stones will cry out. Wow. <laughs> yes, so he approves and accepts what they say. Hosanna to the son of David and so forth.
0: Yeah. Question 75, um, those who heard Christ acknowledged that he manifested himself as the Messiah.
1: Yes, this is the again from the gospel of saint john where saint andrew is the first to receive the call and answer it uh he's the brother of saint peter <clears throat> and went to saint peter and said uh, uh we have found the Messiah." all right so uh that, that's an indication that he was already manifesting himself as the Messiah at that early point mm. and uh Simon Peter, uh, later on, uh, when our Lord asked, Whom do you say that I am? He said, Thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And this profession of faith merited for him the uh, conferral of the sacred power to rule the church. Thou art Peter and upon this rock.
0: That uh, testimony of Andrew, he didn't just say, we think we might have found the Messiah, So we found a uh, a guy that might be the messiah we have found him
1: yes uh, he would not have said that unless he were perfectly convinced and the fact that he went off to his brother to fetch him and and show him the messiah is significant uh, if he were had any doubt or was still interested to hear more or anything like that he would not have done that mm. so uh, that's that's also a, a sign that our lord was doing things and saying things that manifested himself as the true messiahs not some mere holy man he wasn't a gandhi
0: (laughs) (laughs) certainly not a buddha Um, no (laughs) question 76 christ claimed the title son of man which designates the messiahs and expresses his prerogative which is a bit about what we were talking about before my lord
1: the multitude uh, this is from saint john Chapter 12, the multitude answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the son of man must be lifted up? Now lifted up means crucified because they would mm. crucify you on the ground and then lift you up. <clears throat> so everyone understood that because our Lord said that he would be lifted up. And so the question is, who is this son of man? They say, Jesus therefore said to them, Yet a little while the light is among you. Walk whilst you have the light, that the darkness overtake you not. And he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Whilst you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. Mm. So he is uh, telling them that while he is still among them, you should believe in me as the true Messiah.
0: not listen to the Jews um, while he's there, uh, if you reject him, then it ain't going to be good for you.
1: No, it, it, it's uh, the, the vocation of the Jews was a very serious thing. It was the, the promise to Abraham and the, the covenant with, with Abraham and then the law given to Moses, a very serious thing in God's mind. Mm. And the breaking of that was therefore a very, very serious sin in God's mind, and you can see that all through the Gospels.
0: Yes. So on to the last question of, uh, of the chapter and the show, my Lord, question 77. Christ claimed all the rights of the Messiah. Yes,
1: uh, he claims to judge all humanity. <laughs> you know, again, he's not just a holy man. This is someone who is claiming the supreme power over the whole earth, all humanity from the beginning to the end. Uh, He says, And when the Son of Man shall come in his majesty, notice Christ as man, Mm. and all the angels with him, then shall he sit upon the seat of his majesty, and all nations shall be gathered together before him, and he shall separate them one from another. Mm. And he said a similar thing. To the uh, to uh, the uh, to Caiaphas, you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, and will judge the living and the dead. And that's when Caiaphas ripped his garment, yes, because he knew that that was um, making himself a, a god. Yes, only God could do that, and that's why he accused them before Pilate. Uh, uh just that you know as a as a little comment uh, that that particular scene was very well done in the Mel Gibson movie uh, uh the Passion of Christ uh i mean I, I don't think everything in that movie was well done but uh that particularly that scene perhaps it was the best scene of the of the whole movie was the sanhedrin and the trial before the sanhedrin
0: when i heard that i thought immediately of that movie and um it was one of the goosebump moments, if you like.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yes, he he did that that ripping of the uh, you know the wow. It, it was a uh, very, very well done. Very well done. Yes, and uh, so I mean, it, it, you could not picture it any more vividly than the way it was done in that, that movie. I think. <clears throat>
0: mm. Well, that puts a, uh, a a great full stop to um, to that chapter in the text. Uh, the Christ claimed he was a messiah, and also. Um, this show, my Lord, the conclusion is worth noting um, at, the, at the end of this chapter. From his own testimony, we find that Christ claimed to be the Messiah, the anointed one of God, chosen in a special manner to save the world. So we might wrap up this episode from here.
1: Yeah, we're moving a sort of like a train from station to station, uh, getting, uh, seeing more and more of who Christ is and why we must believe in him.
0: Yes, closer to the destination. As we wrap up this episode, we have covered lessons nine and ten of the text, outlining the elements of Scripture that show our Lord claimed to be a prophet and the Messiah. So I want to thank you, my Lord, for your time in being with us on this episode. Um, is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out?
1: No, just that the uh, the if people who are following this should get the book and 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 read the book uh, because uh apologetics is very important in our time there's a lot of people who uh can be converted through uh if you if a catholic knows how to do it and how to proceed so this is a, a very good instruction for catholics uh you you can't uh you have to approach uh, some a non-catholic very carefully mm. and you always have to appeal to reason uh that that will attract people you know you can't uh, you can't come in too gruffly uh, you 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 want to be always uh, uh, appealing to to their goodwill and their love of truth uh, so uh, uh, yeah it's important to know how to try to convert somebody
0: yeah I'm um, uh, mr. Fritz uh, providential or not but uh, I was approached only last week by a, a colleague of mine someone who works who's a bit of an evangelical I think he's um Pentecostal or something like that uh, and he's he's always trying to find any opportunity to weave in some message from uh, scripture in his uh when he's when we're working and um and I just quietly said uh it's it's interesting how you keep referring to scripture and um because I used to be there I used to be in that situation but um what I came down to was that question that uh, the pilot asked our Lord, which is, "What is the truth?" And uh, if you th- look at all of the different Christian religions, uh, quote unquote, they all teach different things. Surely God doesn't change, and therefore there's only one way to worship Him. So, what is the truth? And um, I might give you a bit of a progress report as we go <laughs> on on uh, on this show, my Lord.
1: Yes, uh, and you have to. Uh, challenge the Protestant always on how he knows that Scripture is the Word of God. Mm. You have to constantly hold his feet to the fire. (laughs) How do you know that that Bible is the Word of God? How do you know it's complete? How do you know that it contains the words of Isaiah or the words of Christ or the words of St. John? How do you know that? Yeah. That that's a very important. Uh, you have to get them off of that idea of that that you know Scripture is the basis of everything. And also, I would challenge them to find the sola scriptura argument in in the Bible.
0: Yeah, where does it say in the Bible that the Bible is the only source of uh, truth?
1: Right. Would you please show it to me? <laughs> Just, you know, hand him his Protestant Bible. Just show it to me. Where is it? He won't be able to find it. Of course not. And then when that happens, you have to say, well, one of the fundamental tenets of your religion cannot be found in the one place that you say is the source of all religion. Yeah. That means it was invented by a man. It was invented by Martin Luther. The the foundations of your religion are man-made. If he has any sense of love of truth, that will shake him. Yeah, that will that will make him
0: think. I'll, I will use that.
1: You know because they oh, turn to oh. us and say, you know, find rosary in the Bible, and but turn it right back to them and say, find that doctrine in the Bible.
0: Yeah. To to go to church on Sunday is is also. Uh, not necessarily in the Bible.
1: That's right. Sunday cannot be found in the Bible. Correct. As a day of worship, and that was changed by the church.
0: Why don't you go on Saturday, like it says?
1: That was changed by the oh, church Saturday. to distinguish it from the Jewish worship. Yeah, that was a, an ordinance of the Catholic Church.
0: Well, it's a bit of a um, a good case study, I suppose. Um, I might uh, give you a bit of a uh, progress report on how it goes at each show to see how it how it ends up, but. Uh, uh, I I don't know if he's he's of goodwill, uh, interested in the truth. Um, it, it's very uh, uh, emotional, you know. He's he's got this all this zeal and passion, and you know wants to proselytize and witness and all this sort of stuff. So
1: yeah, that that's Protestantism. It's all it's it's all a, 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 you know a fire of straw. Yeah, and they're all worked up, and and the you know, it's all yep. it's, it's all it is, and it's very non-intellectual. Uh, and and if you don't uh, believe, if you don't throw yourself on the savior and so forth, then you're no good. Yes. And they they consider reason to be something that is that is evil. You know, you should not involve reason in faith. It, it's wrong. Uh, yeah. re, uh, Martin Luther called reason a whore. You know. So, uh, whereas the Catholic Church has always appealed to reason. Mm. Uh, and and that has been, as I said, its beauty and its glory, that that it has attracted people on a reasonable basis uh, to the faith, certainly, to true faith, but on a reasonable basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, God wouldn't have given us uh, an intellect if he didn't want us to use it.
1: Always put them on the defense, okay? It's just as as a, you know, we get to know how to do it after a while, but... Let's get your opponent on the defense. Put to him questions that are hard for him to answer.
2: Yeah, indeed.
1: Because you're, you're holding all the cards. The, he doesn't have a, a, a way to answer those questions. And so it's for his own good because he, he will come to a point where he'll say, yes, that's right, I don't, yeah. I don't have an adequate answer for that question.
0: Will do. It's just started. It was, it was literally last week where I had the first uh, you know sort of 10-minute discussion with him and, and just got him, just got the, uh, the question in his mind, oh, surely there's only one truth. And that's a reasonable thing to yeah. say. All right, well, th- thanks very much. I was going to ask you how things are at Most Holy Trinity Seminary, my Lord, um, but this time you're not allowed to say it's boring. Uh, I happen to know you've had some excitement and an occasion for celebration back in June with the ordination of Father Eldraker.
1: Yes, uh, about 10 about 2 weeks ago we had the uh, ordination of Father Eldrocker. So, uh yes, he's someone that uh, has come up from the Yeah. uh well, I knew him when when he was a baby. <laughs> so, uh he's 24 years old now and um uh so he's homegrown. He's from Michigan. He's from one of our parishes. Uh he the only mass that he has ever known is the traditional mass the only faith that he has ever been exposed to is the catholic faith he never had any exposure to modernism uh and uh so uh he's uh, in, you know he came in mm. very well prepared in that sense you know from a totally catholic background when they they don't come in from catholic backgrounds they have to learn the traditional faith and its culture and its attitudes uh, you know th- through the seminary uh, they have to soak in all of it and they there's a detox so to speak uh, and uh so but when they come in from our own parishes like that yeah uh you know it's just hand in glove so you know they all of their instincts are very catholic uh so um uh so now we're very happy to have him and he'll be teaching in the school He'll be sort of a spare tire for uh, priests who need to travel or go yes. you know, here, there, or the other place. He can replace them. He'll move around quite a bit. He'll uh, help me as a sort of a private secretary uh, and uh, also uh, maintenance of the building. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to do everything. He can figure out anything, anything mechanical, electronic. He just looks at it and figures it out. It's one. He's one of those.
0: Oh, that's great and. And thank and, God uh, for uh, so
1: uh, I look at God it for, uh, and, and just say duh and you know I, I have no idea how, how to fix anything <laughs> and uh, so uh, so it's you know good to have someone like that around I would uh, you know the I wouldn't know the first thing I, I don't know where the the fuse boxes are the circuit breakers are, I don't know where anything is, uh. you know so it's, we need somebody like that around here. That's great. So, uh, so great. we're very happy to have him and I'm sure everybody else is too. And
0: very uh, hearty "Dei Gratias" for, for vocations and congratulations to Father Eldraker. We will be featuring on True Restoration some videos of the ordination and some interviews with him. So um, our listeners can stay tuned for those to be released. Yes. So, well, once again, thank you, my Lord, for your time. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon as we continue this series, and uh, we hope you have a safe time between uh, now and then, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay, thank you. If you have any questions about anything you've heard on today's episode, please email to questions at truerestoration.org. We want to remind you that Apologetics is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to copyright at truerestoration.org. All of us here at member-supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, and beneficial to you and your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I'm Phil Stone. May God bless you.